All right, Happy New Year, church. As Pastor Steve mentioned, we are in Psalm 121, one of the Psalms of Ascent from 120 to 134. Right? And the people of God, as Pastor Steve mentioned, would sing this and recite it over and over again. Right? And the reason why is because it was important to remind themselves of these theological truths. It wasn't just random songs, but truths about our God. That was important to kind of remind themselves on this journey, right? A Spotify playlist of theological truths, you might say, as they would ascend three times a year to Jerusalem. Psalm 121 is one of them, and it's particularly important in those moments of life when a distressing situation occurs. It's kind of a silly illustration, but I wanted to share one of my favorite videos of what can happen in a distressing situation. So take a look. Das ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächters. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. This is the German Coast Guard. We are thinking, we're thinking. What are you thinking about? <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, as, as funny as that is, I mean, when you are in a distressing situation, the person you reach out to on the other end better be able to understand. Because in this journey of life, there are some wonderful highs to celebrate. But you and I know that there are inevitable lows that come as well. I, mean, I don't know how your 2022 was. And I'm sure you have really high hopes for 2023. But it would be foolish of us to think that it will not come with its own unique challenges that we will face this year. Meaning there will come a time when all of us in this room, you and I, when we are in need of help because we are going through a distressing situation. And we are at this wonderful song this morning because it reminds you and I and the people of God that our God is the only reliable source of help in our journey. Amen? This is why the psalmist, with full conviction and without hesitation, he says, from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Yahweh, our Savior, our God. There's no need to seek other options or to waste our time looking for other things, but we ought to go to God when we are in need of help. So the question is, is do you know where your help comes from? When this year you will be facing some maybe dire situations when you're in need. Do you know where the rescue boat is or are you and I going to be swimming in circles in a vast sea of difficulties? And you know what I love about this song? It's so wonderful. is that the singer understood that the group didn't need to arrive at Jerusalem before they came under God's protection. He would watch over them on the journey. 
Meaning God is just as present in the journey as in the destination. So, the psalmist wants to convict the people of God to go to God in our journey. Especially when we are So he's going to give us four reasons why. So that's where we're going to be going this morning. So the first one, if you're taking notes, the first reason we ought to go to God in distressing situations, well, God is bigger than our problems. Verse 1 and 2 says this, a song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made what? Heaven and earth. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Boyce, in his commentary, says, what he's telling us is that his gaze did not stop when he looked upward to the hills, but that he looked beyond them to God who made the mountains. Meaning the vastness of creation reminded him of a great designer who is his God. He is creator over all things. Everything that moves and breathes was spoken into being by him. You know, if you've ever been in some sort of majestic place, like maybe an active volcano in Hawaii, or you were in some vast cave, you know, somewhere in South America, or you got to be next to maybe a huge animal, and it reminded you that man, The creator of all these things is amazing. But not just the vastness. When you look at just the intricacies of life itself and the reminder of how great our God is, the great designer that is our Father, man, it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? You know, when I was studying in seminary, one of the things that shocked me was uh, we had to study the eyeball. Okay, so here's a little picture. Did you guys know? That the eyeball is one of the most intricate, complex organs in the body. body. It is a whole that's made out of many parts, but all parts must work together for it to work accurately, correctly. To see depth, to see process colors, the slightest details. And the reason why we would study this in seminary is because it was great evidence against the Big Bang Theory and Darwinistic Survival of the fittest theories, right? Because Darwinistic evolutionary theory would tell you what? That whatever is helpful for survival would get passed on, right? So for example, let's just say there was a Big Bang, right? There's a protein or an amoeba. And one day, for the eyeball to exist, a lens would have to show up. But that lens would never get passed on because that part away from the whole eyeball is useless. Does that make sense? So one day, the protein would have to show up. And then, bang! an eyeball would have to exist. And that eyeball would be helpful to see, and so then it would get passed on. Does that make sense? The problem is that the eyeball would never exist in Darwinistic theory. Because the part away from the whole does not work. This is what we call the irreducible complexity of life. And Darwinistic scientists have no answer for this broken chain in evolutionary theory. Meaning, if you believe in evolution, the eyeball would never exist. Makes you think that there must be a great designer 
We're just talking about the Bible. And the amazing thing about this is that he's not just creator, he's actively involved in creation. This is what we call God's providence. The Westminster Catechism Confession says this about his providence. He says, God, the great creator of all things, doth be uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least. By his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, mercy. What he's saying is that the Bible tells us this wonderful truth that God, who is creator, isn't just sitting in heaven looking down upon us. But he is actively, as he loves us, involved in his creation your life, my life. God is orchestrating all of it. If you don't think he can handle the problems that come your way. And this isn't to belittle our problems or circumstances. But the psalmist is saying, once you realize how big and able our God is, our perspective begins to change. This is why in Jeremiah 32, 17, the word of God says this, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. So nothing is too hard for you. See, in our distressing situation, whatever you face this year, I want you to understand that he's the maker of heaven and earth. He loves us. He can handle any situation we face. Point two. The second reason we ought to turn to him in distressing situation is because God is better than our other options. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says this. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The first thing I want you to notice is that he transitions from the first person to the second person. Right? The first part he talks about what? I lift my eyes up to them. And all of a sudden he switches to what? He will not. Because what he's doing here is he wants to push on that conviction that he shares and to be able to share with the group. Because when you're in a distressing situation, sometimes, I don't know about you, when you come in the midst of other brothers and sisters that are singing truths about God, it can lift you up. And that's essentially what he's doing here. That conviction that he shares, he's saying, hey, let's sing this together. Well, what is that assurance that he wants to pass on? Well, first of all, what he's saying is that we are limited, but God is not. We can slip and fall. We can slumber, but God does not. You know, I saw this on Instagram, and it, it kind of cracked me up, but I wanted to share with you. This is uh, some kids. They were asked to share what they thought life would be like when you turn 40, right? So this is Rita at age 9. She says this, I am 40. I have wrinkles and gray hair, and I would have a walking stick to help me walk. This is Jennifer at age 8. She says this, I am 40. I am turning old. I just left work because I cannot manage going up and down hills. I know I will soon die. <laughs> you know, really, it's not too far from the truth, right? Once I hit 40, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I thought I was in pretty good shape. But, man, you start seeing your limits really fast. You know, when I turned 40, I, I got shingles. 
I was like, shingles are for grandparents. No, it's for when you turn 40, <laughs> get ready. It happens. Things start falling apart. I threw out my back like two weeks ago. That was great, right? There are things in your 20s and 30s that you never think about that right now you start realizing because your life is so fragile, you start thinking about blood pressure, right, cholesterol, things that you never had to worry about when you were younger. But it's a reminder that we are limited, that at any moment, life is fragile. So the interesting thing is, is why would we trust in ourselves rather than a God who never sleeps or falls or slumbers? So that's the first thing the psalmist is saying, that God will not, but you will. The second thing also is that when it's talking about slumber, particularly in verse 4, it's actually mentioning other gods. I'll read verse 4 again once more. It says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. See, slumbering and sleeping was actually referring to other gods particularly, specifically, Baal. Because there was an understanding of Baal sleeping and that there were rituals that these idol worshippers would perform on the mountains where they were looking to awaken the deity to answer. This is why in 1 Kings 18, I don't know if you remember, Elijah was battling with the Baal worshippers on the mountain. And Baal would not answer. So he, in verse 27, he kind of mocks them and he says this, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is understand, either he's musing or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, and perhaps he's asleep and must be See, he is mocking this clear understanding that they had of Baal worshippers. And see, they were not even offended. They cry out louder because this was their theological understanding of their God. But here's the thing. With our God, he never takes a day off. He will keep you. That same God that faithfully kept Israel watches over. So we can trust him in distressing situations to be fully aware of what is going on and to keep us safe. Point three, God is able to protect us even in the harshest of conditions. Verses five through seven, it says this. Verse five first, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. I love this because there's a lot of strong imagery here. The keeper is the guard was to shepherd, to care, and to love and guide us. Shade was very important in old biblical times because in the scorching desert conditions, you would die without shade. And when it's talking about your right hand, it's talking about the side where the shield was not protecting, meaning your vulnerable side. It was what we would call the lattice aperture. So when it says the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand, what it's saying is in your most vulnerable times and areas, harshest of circumstances, God will not only protect but shield and nurture and allow for time to recover and heal. And verse 6 continues, says the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. For he will lead literature 
a way of expressing totality was to name pair of opposites, day and night, meaning all the time. And not only that, he continues on in verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life, not just in circumstances, but from evil people and spirits. You are well kept and protected. Even in the most vulnerable, harshest situations, God's You know, we use this term breaking point. And we can use that sometimes, and maybe we don't say it out loud, but we can maybe think it to ourselves, even in our relationship with God. With God, we can say, you know, God, I, I can trust you. But if this happens, you know, that's my breaking point. If you let my, you know, my, my mom or my dad from this disease. I don't know if I can trust them. But it's like a breaking point. Or maybe you think to yourself, like, if something happens to my son or daughter, I don't know if I can handle it. Or if you take this very valuable relationship away from my wife, that that what the psalmist is telling us is that these are words spoken by the people of God in their most vulnerable states. And God is there right in those vulnerable moments to love us and to protect us. So we have to look to him for help even when we are past the breaking point. that's when we find ourselves broken. And God loves and can help us no matter how hard it seems. My friends, I don't know about you, but you know, we'll talk about like me and being vulnerable. But really, we're so blessed in our lives that I mean, how often do we come to breaking points in our lives? But this year, maybe it might be one of those years, and I want you to know that God is faithful even when things are like this. Even in our most vulnerable states, He loves us and is there for us. So we can turn to Him. So that's point four. I love point four. Lastly, God continues to watch over us until we see him return. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. My friends, we say this a lot from the pulpit, but truly this is not our home. And when we one day do pass from this life, we can celebrate because God is faithful this life when we go through the most difficult of times, and he will faithfully carry us to eternity, where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more shingles, but joy to the end. You know, when I was in high school, my parents got a poster for me, and maybe you had this in your house, and you guys know this, it's called Footprints in the Sand. Right? And you guys had that at your house? 
So one day I came home and my parents had it in my room. They put it up. You know, and I, and I didn't think much of it at first, but, you know, it became kind of a, a thing that I would read actually often. And I won't read it word by word, but, you know, the story goes that it's a poem about a guy who has a vision, and there's two sets of footprints in the sand as he's walking in life. And at points, when it was most difficult, there would only be one set of footprints. And so he kind of got a little bit annoyed at God and said, God, hey, when I'm going through the most difficult of times, how come I only see one set of footprints? And now here's the kicking point, right? You guys, we love this, right? And then God turns to him and he says, hey, in those moments, you only see one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. And you're like, oh, that's good. You know, that moves me. That's good. And so it stayed with me for years. But, you know, one of the things that I realized is that actually this picture is maybe not fully accurate. The more I've studied scripture, actually, that more accurate poem would have been if there was one set of footprints the whole time. Because the truth of it, is that God is always ahead of us. See, when you're going through good times, you think you're in control. You think you're fine. But I want you to know that you're not. And that we need God every single moment of the day. And he is faithful to finish what he started in us. And that he will carry it out until we're with him. And the only way we can make it there, friends, is because our God is faithful and he will carry us and drag us if he has to. My prayer for us, friends, and this is really a plea in 2023. Look to God again. You know, this psalm is a reminder that when you go through difficult, distressing times, that people, everyone in the world, they look for solutions somewhere. Somewhere. Even for us as the people of God, you can start looking for solutions. And the psalm is so powerful because it's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because he's faithful. No situation's too big. He does not sleep nor slumber. He does not fail us. And so we ought to look to him because he's faithful even to the end. And so I just want to remind us that all of us, we are limited As I close the sermon, I want to just read, um, it's a really a prayer for our church, a prayer for my family and for myself. It's one of my favorite hymns, and it says this, I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour, it should be that we look to him. So the reminder this morning is you need so what will be our response? And we look to him. And I pray that in 2023, we will go to our God, who is greater than any situation we will face this year. 
Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you uh, for words like this, that on the journey of life, that maybe some of us in this room, we are already facing this day one, but we are facing some, some trying and difficult challenges. And we've heard these words before, that you are faithful, that you will carry us, but maybe it's really hard for us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you will take these words and bear fruit that we would have eyes this year to draw closer to you each and every day because the truth of it is truly that we need you every hour. And we thank you that you meet us every time we pursue you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that draws us close to you, that allows us to have relationship with you. So we praise you and we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray.